Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Jim Taddy here. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 18. I want to thank Mike Ross for that fine introduction. Of course, Rossi is the PA announcer not only on Leaf Sky, but also at Scotiabank Arena. Coming up in the broadcast today, we're going to have Rob Leth, freelance reporter in Toronto, and also special guest Dennis Bayak, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, but a former backup voice on radio to Joe Bowen. Bonesy, in his heyday, was on television and radio, and when he did TV, they had a backup on the radio side, and we've talked to Kenny Daniels and... Dan Dunleavy, and they were also in that role. Dennis Bayak is, I think, between Mr. Daniels and Mr. Dunleavy. So we'll sort all of that out later on. It's that time of the year again. Conference tournaments are tipping off. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid, while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 at an underdog, win 256 bucks if they win. It's that simple. Four bucks becomes 256. So you pick one of the many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning 256 bucks, and all it takes is a $4 bet. Did I make that clear? Four becomes 256. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So here is the instruction list. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN when you sign up to turn 4 bucks into 256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's the code THPN to turn 4 bucks into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, here is the waiver. You must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, let's get to the hockey story now. So we had a playoff series. Remember how we mapped this out? Three games in Edmonton, Leafs up 3-0. Two in Vancouver, Leafs uh, blow a 3-0 series lead and are now only up 3-2. Winnipeg comes into town earlier in the week for a three-game set, and they win 4-3 in their first game, and all of a sudden that series is tied at 3. And Thursday night, Game 7, the Leafs go to overtime to win 4-3 in overtime, so you could say if that was a mini or sort of fantasy playoff series, the Leafs had to go right to the edge after a 3-0 series lead to win it couple of key points here. Let's go back to game one earlier in the week. 4-3 Winnipeg wins. It's 2-1 for the Leafs. Matthews, for whatever reason, decides to do the flamingo. Well, sort of a stretch flamingo because his leg went out to stop a shot. It deflected in and it tied the score at two. 
on a bad change by the Leafs. Winnipeg scores to take a 3-2 lead, and then on a Riley giveaway, Winnipeg has a 4-2 lead. And, you know, while I'm pointing out what the Leafs did wrong, understand that Winnipeg is in the right spot to capitalize, so don't take any credit away from the Jets. Hellebuck was outstanding in goal for Winnipeg, so it's 4-2 with four minutes left. The Leafs pull the goalie, which I absolutely applaud, and they score a goal to tighten it to 4-3. 4-3 was the final, but you are hoping, at least Leaf fans were, because of the way they finished that game with all that urgency and trying to tie it, that maybe it would carry over into the next game on Thursday night. And guess what? It did. 4-3 in overtime for the Leafs, but getting there was all the fun. The top four for the Leafs, simply amazing and relentless. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. What about that Tavares setup on the Nylander goal? My goodness, that was something. What about the Matthews goal in overtime? Risk problem? Don't think so. And that was all with Hellebuck being outstanding in goal. These two teams are good for each other. They have seven more meetings, and the next one is Saturday night. Fascinating to watch. What was also fascinating to watch was the line shuffle. So Winnipeg has the lead, and late in the first period, Coach Keefe moves Thornton down from the Matthews-Marner line, inserts Hyman up there. So Thornton goes down with Tavares and Nylander. Both moves paid off splendidly. Kerfoot goes from the Tavares-Nylander line and centers with Engvall and Mikheyev, and that line looked good. So nine, the top nine forwards for the Leafs, all looking good. And, of course, the fourth line is nothing to snicker at any at all. So, I mean, the fourth line is good, but, but those nine guys really played well. The top six lights out. So now you get into the trade possibilities, and you're looking at all the shuffling last night, going, eh, they, they don't have to make a trade. Yes, they do. Simmons comes back, and it gets even deeper up front. But as I said earlier in the week, if they go into a playoff series and one of those guys goes down or isn't effective, they need a top seven forward that can start in the third line and move up. Now you ask yourself, what is the price for that? Well, it could be prospects. It could be draft picks, but it has to be money as well because whoever comes in, whatever salary comes in, that same salary has to go out. Going to be fascinating to watch. I think it happens within the next 10 to 14 days. There's no reason for the Leafs to go into April or get real close to the trade deadline because of the quarantine, assuming, and it's a pretty darn good assumption, the incoming player comes from an American team. So we'll see what happens there. But we have fascinating stuff to cover here with the Leafs splitting with Winnipeg so far this week. I just can't get over the hockey. These two teams actually make each other better. This would be a great seven-game playoff series. And as I said earlier, they have seven games left. So the winner of that might win the division. We'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of variables there. Let's bring in our first expert, Rob Leth, freelance reporter in Toronto. Let's talk about the two games we've seen so far this week. They resemble the playoff series to me because, you know, in the first game, the Jets absolutely cashed in on what the Leafs gave them. And in the second game, the Leafs just sort of willed their way to win, didn't they? Yeah, I think uh, if you're the Leafs, you have to be pretty confident the way things are going, uh, not only in these two games, but in the whole season. Of course, they lost the first game against Winnipeg, but I thought they thoroughly outplayed them. If it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck, they would have had the two points. Outshot them 39-23 in the first game and then 37-26 in the second in the, their first comeback victory of the season. So you have to be feeling pretty confident. And when you have Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Mitchell Marner all score in the same game, uh, you're probably going to win. So here's the ultimate question. And we'll play yes guy, no guy later on. So this is a tease. What was actually the better play? Any one of those three guys scoring or the Tavares setup for the Nylander goal? 
Wow. It was it was a lot of skill on display in that game. And that pass that Nylander made, or uh, Tavares made to Nylander to uh, finally get him on the score sheet was uh, world class. But what Austin Matthews did in tight when, you know, everyone in the world is expecting a big wrist shot to go that quickly to the backhand and put it top shelf um, in that moment, I think by far was the play of the game. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. Uh, and that comes after Morgan Riley uh, had a broken stick and almost a mishap, right? Yeah, that was unbelievable to me. And the way it worked out for the Leafs was equally unbelievable. But when you see a player slash another guy's stick and break it in half, that's supposed to be an automatic penalty uh, in today's NHL. And you could even see Paul Stasny stop on the play because he knew what he had done. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm off to the box in overtime. And the call wasn't made. And just everything that happened after that was equally incredible because Morgan Riley doesn't stay in the play. He's the only defenseman on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And for some reason, he decides to go to a, go, go to the bench, get a new stick and leave Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner out there to play defense uh, two on three. Comes back in the play, gets the puck, and all of a sudden he's on two on one with Austin Matthews and makes that incredible saucer pass with the new stick to Matthews and of course we talked about that play already and uh, it worked out for the Leafs you'd think they'd complain about that call but maybe it's the Jets who should be complaining that the call wasn't made you know I, I what I really was intrigued was so they were down one nothing and I'm thinking to myself okay this isn't the way they wanted to start this but the intriguing thing was the shift of the left side which is you know what it's the negotiable part of their their lineup so Thornton comes down and plays with Tavares and Nylander and looks really good and Hyman goes from the third line to the left side of Matthews and Marner, and they looked electric. That, that was a stunning adjustment. And you really see how valuable um, Zach Hyman is to this team. Uh, like at the moment, there's no way they can afford him in the offseason as he's a pending free agent, but you almost think that they have to move another player out to make room for this guy because he's a spark plug. Every line that he goes to, he makes them better, and just his work ethic and going to the net just opens up the ice for everybody else. And, you know, you talk about Mitch Marner moving from different lines and making John Tavares a better player than making Austin Matthews a better player. But what Zach Hyman does, I'd say no other Leaf, maybe Wayne Simmons when he's, when he's back in the lineup can do that kind of stuff. But when you, when you factor in the skill as well and the goal-scoring ability, uh, Zach Hyman is, is invaluable to this Maple Leaf team. Yeah, I totally agree. And, it's you know, when you talk about trade possibilities, you, you know, you have to put Simmons back in the lineup and see how that stacks up. But but still the trade possibilities. Uh, you roll the dice to try and win it this year, and I, you know, I don't know how everybody fits in. I know they need another forward, and he has to be able to play on the left side. Uh, but then you'd have to extract almost the same amount of money out because it's going to be dollar for dollar at some point in the equation. And, and I don't know who goes out. I mean, it would be easy to say Kerfoot, but I'm not convinced that that's the answer. I don't know what the answer is. I know what they need. I don't know what they, what they can afford to give up. And then there's trade value as well, right? You're not going to get as much for Kerfoot as you would for one of the highly skilled wingers. I know a lot of people want to see William Nylander uh, gone from this lineup. But when you see what he did last night, like he could have had six goals. He was just unbelievable all night. And when he was getting to the tough areas of the ice, getting in front of the net, he had the breakaway. He had a couple chances right and tight uh, and finally scored on that incredible setup by John Tavares, but uh, he looked like the player that last night everybody wants him to be and showed the potential of being that consistent 30, 40 goal shooter. Yeah. So here's, here's where I've, I've sort of boiled it down to We've mentioned the two names. So if Kerfoot is the guy that goes, he's on some term 
And I'm assuming that you're bringing somebody who's on no term uh, just because of the precariousness of the, of the Leafs cap. And, and that's one trade. We won't mention who's coming back because we don't know. If you were to trade Nylander for, uh, you know, that, that uh, sort of uh, multi-purpose winger, you'd actually be sending the best player in the trade out. So I, I don't know that that helps the team. I mean, certainly you can make, you can make the trade on dollars and cents. But in terms of the roster, I think you want to add to what you have, not subtract, and or, or maybe not subtract is the word, but not replace what you have. You want to add to it, right? Yeah, when you trade away a guy with that much uh, skill, it's a slippery slope, right? Um, yeah. You see what happens to the Edmonton Oilers when they traded Taylor Hall to bring in Adam Larson. Like, they addressed a need that they they that they that needed, and, you know, they trade away a guy who went on to win the Hart Trophy uh, with the Devils. So, like, you don't want to trade away – a guy with that much skill just to fill one particular role on a team. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, you know, getting set for the game Saturday and including Saturday, seven more meetings with the Winnipeg Jets. That is really enticing, isn't it? Yeah, so much skill on display. Probably the uh, the best or two of the best teams in the NHL as far as top six forwards go. Um, definitely in the North Division for sure. And, you know, just so much potential there. For, for a back and forth series. And I think it just comes down to goaltending. And uh, that's the one thing you have to worry about with the Leafs when you see the way Connor Hellebuck is playing oh. against this Maple Leaf team. Just, uh, you know, you can see why he won the Vesna Trophy last year. And it's incredible that he was chased in the previous game by the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Did he ever rebound against the Leafs for sure? Uh, the first two games for sure. Yeah. You know, the one guy that we don't talk about enough that maybe we should is TJ Brody. I think he's. Nothing short of phenomenal. He's just really smart out there. And I think if you ask TJ Brody, he's fine if you don't talk about him, right? Yeah. That's his game. His, he's not out there to score goals on the power play. He's not going to make spectacular, you know, set up plays all the time. It's just he's so sound defensively and he makes the right play. It seems almost every single time gets his stick in the way, um, you know, matches the speed of the top forwards of the other team. And I believe he only has one penalty all season long. You know, the way he's uh, moving his stick around and getting in the lanes, you think he would get some uh, tripping calls here and there. But, um, you know, it's, he doesn't have a goal yet, but it doesn't matter. He's been just that dependable and, you know, everything that the Leafs wanted in a defendable uh, defenseman to play with Morgan Riley. Okay, let's, uh, let's do our checklist here. Is your seatbelt done up? It's fastened. Is your tray in the upright position? I uh, didn't need a trade for this plate. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, those listening on earbuds and those not, it's time now for Yes Guy, No Guy, Leafs Guy edition. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. The Leafs have learned their lesson. Yes Guy. Um, I think they learned their lesson in the Ottawa game when they just blew that, you know, 5-1 lead, I believe it was, and lost 6-5 in overtime. I think that was the lesson this team needed. Um, they have lost... Um, a couple of games but um you know i think they 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 know that they have to work for a full 60 minutes to get the job done it doesn't matter who you're playing against and you know we saw it last night um just despite falling behind they uh gave that full 60 minute effort and just kept at it and it finally paid off yeah i would suggest to you that the leafs that played thursday night are the leafs uh, the ones that we may have seen earlier in the week and in vancouver are uh, sort of cheap knockoffs where they're not all there. But when they're all there uh, is what you saw certainly in the Edmonton series and certainly last night. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, um, and I think they know that if they they put in the effort that matches their skill, that they're almost unbeatable. unbeatable. This guy, no get number two. Last night was actually a turning point in the positive direction for Willie Styles. Oh, yes, guy, 100%. Um, just, again, it, when you see a player get thwarted uh, a couple of times early in the game, a lot of times they'll shy away and not look for the shot anymore and pass it off because they don't want to be embarrassed, so they just don't have the confidence to put it in the net. But he just kept going, and you know, on the Leafs' 31st shot of the night, he finally tied the game up on that play by uh, Tavares. And you could just see the energy uh, exude from Nylander when he put that puck in the net. And... Uh, just seeing him, you know, not on the perimeter and going to the dangerous areas, uh, it paid off for him and, uh, you know, full marks for that effort last night. Uh, final yes guy, no guy for this particular podcast, Leafs guy, episode number 18. Yes guy, no guy. The winner of the Winnipeg Toronto Maple Leafs regular season series will advance through the division. Yes, Guy. I think uh, they're by far the uh, the two best teams in the North Division. I don't think Edmonton has the depth. I don't think Montreal has the depth. Um, I think these are the two most skilled teams in the division. And when you factor in the goaltending as well, I think the winner of this series is going to be the team that represents the North Division in the Stanley Cup semifinal. Rob, thanks for your time. The next time you return, we'll play argumentative. Yes, Guy, no Guy. All right, further analysis now and a bit of a history lesson from Dennis Bayak, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, former backup for Joe Bowen in the radio booth. Hey, Dennis, when you go back over the, the first two games that are played this week, it's almost like a playoff series. You could see the build there. I, I actually think these two these two teams are good for each other. Well, I think these teams are very similar, Jim. I think they're both very good up front. Uh, I think they both have some questions maybe on the back end yet. I think both teams have worked to solidify their defensive core. Uh, both teams are good in goal. As a result, I think we've had the two games that we've had, both 4-3, both one-goal games, and uh, the one last night goes to overtime. But I do think there's a lot of similarity between these two teams. Uh, I think the Jets would like to be a, bit, a little bit tighter defensively than what they have been. Uh, in the first two games, but uh, what happens tomorrow? Um, the the uh, the way the Jets played against the Leafs was it an upgrade in what they were doing, or is it pretty well the same? Yeah, they kind of uh, you know like all teams, I guess it's a work in progress. There was no training camps and or no preseason games, and uh, it took maybe a little bit longer to get things going uh, the way they wanted to. But I think it's been a, overall, it's been a good season. For the Winnipeg Jets, they came off the bad night in Montreal where they lost 7-1 into Toronto. They were looking for a bounce back. And I think the coaches would be pleased with uh, with the bounce back that they have seen. So uh, they win the first game, lose the second one. But there's areas like most teams, I think there's still areas that they would like to get better at. And, and from the Winnipeg Jets standpoint, I think a lot of it has to do with the defensive side of the game. Uh, they had such a turnover on the back end last year, the start of last year. Uh, you know, that there's still players that are trying to find their way and, and they're trying to find pairings that uh, that work best and, and all the other things that we hear from a lot of other teams at this time of the year. But they've, they've tried to be more direct in their offensive game. And I think maybe if there's one thing that surprised me a little bit in the two games, I thought we would still have the stretches of back and forth uh, with chances at both ends of the ice and wide open, and then they would settle down again for a few minutes. 
uh, we didn't really see that. We saw a lot of offense that was created from around the net, from behind the goal line uh, for both these teams. So uh, we'll see what happens in game three. Yeah, game three and uh, really including game three, uh, seven more matchups. This is just going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I, I think when uh, everybody came up with the idea of a Northern Division, because that's the way it had to be, there were lots of question marks. We all wondered what it was going to look like. And uh, I think for the most part, it's been very successful. I think the games have been good. There's been some uh, some animosity built up as the as the games go on. And, and that's made for very good hockey. So uh, they don't come to, to Winnipeg, the, the Leafs don't, until the end of this month. Uh, so it's been a bit of a strange schedule that way. They've played a lot of teams a lot more than they have Toronto, but I, I think the remaining games uh, are going to be exactly what we've seen in the last two here. Now, it's said that at the trade deadline, the Jets would like to add a defenseman, and they're probably in the same boat as the Leafs in that if they acquire somebody from an American team, it would have to be sooner rather than later. What do you think they're going to do? Well, I think that's – I mean, we kind of hear that every trade deadline, don't we, that yeah. – team that's kind of competing uh, or thinks it has a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup wants to add a veteran defenseman. Uh, we used to joke about this all the time. Yeah, they want to add a big, solid veteran defenseman who is really tough and physical and can move the puck and add to the offense. So I'm not sure that defenseman exists. Maybe Dustin Bufflin, try and get him out of retirement. That might be the, that might be the answer and the easiest way for anybody to uh, to, to solve that area. But uh, that that is an area where they're still – are some question marks. And yet when you look at it, at who's available, uh, what you'd have to give up to get that player. And then, as you mentioned, if you're going to deal with an American team, you're dealing with a quarantine. So you're going to have to make that deal. In my opinion, you're going to have to make that deal soon here. I don't think you want to leave it until April 12th. And then the player comes in and has to quarantine for two weeks. And then you've got them for the final six, five, six games of your regular schedule. I think you want to try and get that player in here. Uh, you know, as soon as possible and, and get them acclimatized and that. So so we'll see what happens. There are some Canadian teams that uh, may have some people they want to move. Uh, I, I think still think it's going to be close with, with most of the teams, uh, maybe other than Ottawa. I think the other six are going to battle for positions, maybe first, maybe a playoff spot, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, so you want to try and get that player in here as quickly as you can to try and help you as far as a regular season is concerned. But that would be the area, I, I think. Yeah. They could find a defenseman that would be a good fit. Uh, they've got some good young players in the system. Uh, you know, we saw Logan Stanley in the game last night because Nathan Beaulieu uh, got hurt in game one. Uh, Billy Handel is playing with the Manitoba Moose. He's some, had some NHL experience. Um, so they do have Dylan Sandberg was a high draft pick, and he's, you know, off to a good American Hockey League career out of college. So uh, you have to judge what you have to give up as to what the upgrade is going to be that you're getting. Well, let's let's talk about that blue line before we get into your your Maple Leaf broadcasting career. I mean, the the fact that it's it's solid and you're only looking to add one after what they've lost is somewhat miraculous. Is there anything they would like to relive? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, they would like to, I guess, have Dustin Bufflin not walk in at training camp last year and say that he's going to retire. Uh, you know, they had lost Tyler Myers in unrestricted free agency. I don't think that was a surprise. Uh, if they knew that Dustin Bufflin was going to be leaving and there was going to be some money available, they may have gone harder after Ben Sherratt, who's now with the Montreal Canadiens. So they lost him. Uh, they lost Jacob Truba, uh, who uh, had made it very clear to them that uh, long-term he didn't want to stay in Winnipeg. Uh, 
you know, so he wanted to move on. So I don't know if they would have done anything differently or not. Uh, you know, the key piece that came back, as it turns out, has been Neil Pionk, who's been really, really good. You know, so, but again, the, the, the Buffalo thing was a surprise. That was the one that kind of caught them off guard. They had plans for Dustin Bufflin to play big minutes, uh, and that simply just didn't happen. Okay, Dennis, let's go back to your days as the, the Leaf play-by-play announcer back up to bowl, and we've had Kenny Daniels on and Dan Dunleavy on, and you're in between the both of them, aren't you? Yes, I am. Uh, there was uh, I came there in 1997, and uh, they were still in the old Maple Leaf Gardens, and I was there for the transition from the gardens to Air Canada Centre, which is now Scotiabank. Uh, you know, so it was, it, was, uh, it was a big move. I was in Edmonton for a couple of years. Before that, I was in the Western Hockey League in management and uh, had been in broadcasting before, and then the opportunity came there. So, uh, you know, got there to, uh, to be uh, part of all of that from going to Maple Leaf Gardens. I grew up a, a very, very avid Toronto Maple Leaf fan. Uh, I've got hockey cards and, and uh, pictures of, of, of a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs from the days gone by. And, and so it was special for me that I was able to, to do some games at Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, everybody said it was nice to, you know, to do that. Unfortunate that the gardens was, was no more. Well, you know what? It was time for a change. The gardens had served its purpose and, and uh, it was time to move into a new building. And they did. But very much enjoyed my time in Toronto. Working with Jim Ralph was an absolute thrill. Yeah. So, so looking down in that garden's ice, I know when I sat in the press box, the attraction for me, the rest of the building was antiquated. There's no question about that. But when you looked at that sheet of ice, you understood that everybody, whoever made the Hockey Hall of Fame, also stepped on that ice. That was a thrill, wasn't it? You know what? That's a good point you make there, is that if once you got to the press box and once you just looked at the ice surface and you were dealing with the game itself, yeah, I, I agree. It was, uh, it was iconic. It was historic. Uh, and then on that last game, uh, there when they had some of the the players from years gone by on hand uh it was special i mean we saw george armstrong there all the time such a terrific gentleman uh he was at most games uh you know whether it was maple leaf garden whether it was in in the new rink uh you know but lots of the players from years gone by were there for that final game and and uh but we all grew up with with hockey and play by play and when the and, and uh, if you sat there you and let your mind wander a little bit, you could actually visualize Frank Mahovlich tearing down the left wing and, and Alan Stanley playing defense and Johnny Bauer playing goal. And, um, and, and it, was, it was fun. It was nice to do that every once in a while, to let your mind kind of wander. Uh, back to what you said, there were so many great players that played on that ice surface and called the Maple Leaf Gardens their hockey home. And, and uh, those, those memories will stay forever. So, uh, I mean, Matt Sundin is the best league player that you called during your day, right? And, and uh, just to help us remember, because I, I thought this guy was an absolute horse out there. He was a he was a unique hockey player, big, strong guy with the oodles of skill. It's funny. I remember uh, it was almost like a daily question. Who's going to play with Matt Sundin? And uh, then for a long time, it was Steve Thomas. And then the question became, who was going to play right wing on that line? And uh, it was always... When, uh, when Twitter came into the world, it was like the first thing everybody just kind of watched to see who was going to be on that line. And, uh, you know, Jonas Hoagland played there a lot. But, yeah, Matt Sundin was a special player, special person. They had lots lots of good players, lots of good people that, 
that went through that organization. But uh, you know, I had some junior experience with Wendell Clark. So when Wendell came back, I, I think that was special for for me, and uh, I think for the fans too. Still so beloved in Toronto, and uh, but Matt Sundin was was the player that if you if you wanted to rate in in my time there. Uh, he certainly would be up there, big, strong, could skate, could shoot, could pass, uh, a good captain and, and everything else that went along with it. So, uh, you know, there for some of his highlights and uh, there'll be highlights for me too. Uh, not all the teams you broadcast were good, were they? No, you know what? It was funny. I, I laugh about this. Uh, when I went to do my second contract, I think uh, we got stalled a little bit on on playoff money. And, uh, you know, I think back and, and uh, there wasn't many years initially when I was there that they made the playoffs. So it really kind of became a moot point, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what, it was growing pains. Uh, certainly in that market, it's not a market that, uh, that you want to miss the playoffs as often as they did. Lots of criticism uh, from fans, from media and, and everybody else that went along with it just because of, of what that franchise is and what that market is for Canadian hockey and for the National Hockey League. Uh, and then back to what we talked about, uh, the, the great years, the glory years. And uh, it was difficult for fans to accept the fact that this team that uh, that was sold out every night and financially was doing so well, couldn't piece it together to, to be a, a consistent playoff team. And, you know, as a result, we saw general manager changes. We saw coaching changes and, Everybody came in and, and uh, everybody had what they thought was going to be the solution. And, and uh, you know, finally, looks like they're on the right track right now with some very good young players. And the, the draft and develop model right now for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs, like so many other teams, is the key to, is, is the key to the success. You know, it's interesting, Dennis, because for years you would always get the history lesson on the Leafs and how many years it had been since their last Stanley Cup win. We don't really get that anymore. I think people are looking forward to what should inevitably be at least a Stanley Cup run in terms of getting into the final and maybe winning a cup or two. That's an interesting change. Uh, I would like your take on last night at the Garden's first night at the ACC. Well, last night at the Garden, and uh, I did the second period. Uh, Joe Bowen, it was his game. He did the first and third. I did the second period. But then I also roamed around the building a little bit uh, with a microphone and, and got to talk to to some of the players that were there. Uh, I mean, I remember asking Alan Stanley uh, about that face-off. You know, why did you yeah. take that face-off? And, uh, and the story with that and, and uh, stories about Punch Imlach and uh, Johnny Bauer was there. And, and uh, you know, so many other of the, of the players that I grew up watching were there. And there was this special feeling in the building that, that something was coming to an end, which it was. Uh, you know, so it was, uh, it's something that's, that's there and you'll remember, you know, so then you go into the new building and, uh, like any new rank, you're trying to find your way through and how do we get to here and how do we get to there? And, uh, then you get up there and you realize that your location, the broadcast booth is totally different from where it was in the gardens. Uh, but there was this excitement, uh, you know, people, uh, I think even the people that would come dressed casually to the game, uh, for that opening night, uh, came dressed up and uh, put something special on just to, just to remember it. And uh, I think anytime you get to open a building, uh, I think it's special. And uh, there was two different feelings. 
not, it was, wasn't like a funeral and a birth or a wedding or anything out. It was just from a sports standpoint, it was different. This, this Maple Leaf Gardens that was such an iconic building was now done. And when we go back to Toronto, we went back to Toronto when I was in Winnipeg. Uh, there were times I still made my way to the garden uh, when it was there. And, and uh, if I could get in and have a look, I did. <laughs> and I had a nephew that uh, plays for the Canadian blind hockey uh, team. And uh, when we were in Toronto for a series with the with the Leafs, they had a tournament there. There was, and so I went down, and, and it had been changed. It wasn't the same as what it was, but you were still in, in Maple Leaf Gardens, so uh, the outside is still there. But it was uh, it was just it was interesting the the closing of the one and the opening of the other, and uh, it was for me it was exciting for both. Uh, so you did the second period. How how did that happen? That you did one period there. Well, I think Joe just kind of felt that uh, it was a special night, uh, which I appreciate that. It was a special night. It was the last game at Maple Leaf Gardens, and uh, to so I could be part of it. And uh, very nice. And it was. And 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 you know what? I've done when when I got to Winnipeg here, I carried that with me. And uh, the first game that the Winnipeg Jets played in the National Hockey League against the Montreal Canadiens, I did radio on that one. And uh, Brian Munns was going to do the games when I was on television. So I let him do the second period of that first game uh, with the Winnipeg Jets as well. So uh, I passed that down the line and, and I think it's special for, to be part of that. And uh, I certainly appreciated, uh, you know, the opportunity in that game. So uh, just before we let you go, tell us how all this started for you, because clearly you could have stayed in hockey. You have that ability and expertise and, and you liked broadcasting. So what were your influences and, and, and how did all this happen? Well, I guess when I was, and I'll try and make this the Coles Notes version, not the uh, not the long book. The book will come out one day. No. <laughs> uh, as a kid, uh, growing up uh, on the farm, uh, I was the goaltender and the play-by-play guy. And we would play ball hockey, or if time permitted, we would go on a, on a frozen pond, or eventually we got into making our own rink a little bit. And uh, play-by-play always fascinated me. So that was, uh, growing up, that was my goal, was to do a National Hockey League play-by-play. So I started in the Western Hockey League with the Flint Flon Bombers, moved around the Western Hockey League a little bit, and then in Saskatoon had the opportunity to move from play-by-play into management as the assistant general manager. So I did that. I got out of broadcasting for a number of years, and then I got back into it in Saskatoon. They were opening up uh, the new rink, and Telecable wanted to televise the game. Uh, so our management of the Blades said, Daryl Lubinecki was the gentleman's name, said, yes, you can broadcast the game, but Dennis has to do the play-by-play. So I got back into it there, and then I stayed working for the team, but I still did the play-by-play. And then eventually uh, I did leave Saskatoon, went to Seattle, uh, did Seattle play-by-play and was assistant general manager there for a couple of years. And then the opportunity came to be a general manager in the Western Hockey League with Seattle. Uh, so I took that and that got me out of broadcasting. Then from there, I went on to Tri-Cities as general manager of the Tri-City Americans and then uh, got fired, but that'll be a podcast for another day. <laughs> and then uh, got a call saying, would you go to Edmonton? And I said, absolutely. So I got into the National Hockey League in a bit of a different path, perhaps. And uh, I did two years of Edmonton Oiler Television on CFRN. And then they lost the rights and uh, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I got a call from Toronto saying, would you move to Toronto? So 
and that was from Molestar in those days. And, and Ron Harrison was the gentleman, and yeah. and I packed up and uh, said, "Yes, we'll go to Toronto," and off we went. So, and then uh, that's where it all, all got going as far as the National Hockey League was concerned. And then when the Winnipeg Jets came back. I was born and raised in this province, and uh, when TSN got the rights, Paul Graham uh, contacted me and said, "Would you move to Manitoba?" I said in a heartbeat. And uh, ten years later, here we are. So there's the there's the Coles Notes version. Well, it sounds like it was all mapped out for you, although it didn't seem like it at the time, did it? No, you know what? There was bumps, there was curves, and everything else. But when you look back at it now, really, the puzzle wasn't that hard to put together. Maybe. <laughs> Dennis, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Last minute of play in this podcast. Well, there it is. The time warning for PA announcer Mike Ross. The Yes Guy, No Guy Awards. We'll start off with Yes Guy number one. The big four. Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander. Stunning to watch. That Tavares setup in Nylander was thrilling. The Matthews overtime goal. The pursuit of Nylander. The absolute game on Mitch Marner last night. Unbelievable. Yes Guy Award number two goes to Bikayev. This guy is fun to watch. Now he's starting to score. If he could develop a regular scoring routine because he does everything else well, this could be an interesting hockey player. So yes guy to Mikheyev. And a yes guy to the fact that these two teams play each other seven more times. Are you kidding? This is like watching a playoff series. The, the back and forth, the pace, the goaltending. Oh, yes guy. Hope you enjoyed episode 18 and hope you come back for episode 19 on Tuesday.